You know what's funny? I again think this might be a fast one, but I said that about last time when we talked for so long last time. Yeah, I'll be kind of I'll be kind of curious. I mean, on the one hand, I feel like I tend to drag these things out. God help us both. I have a I have a few points to say about a few things, and then a lot of things that are a certain amount of yeah, it was fine. I liked it, you know. So we'll we'll see how things go. We'll see how things go. That's that's what I like to hear. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Episode. yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was good. What do you want? Yeah, you know. Whatnots, welcome to the 31st episode of this crazy thing we call Drock, uh, the monthly series in which we read through the entire series of Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files. This time we're doing volume 28 from 1998. I'm Graham McMillan. I'm coming to you live and direct from Alistair Campbell Block. And with me is my esteemed, my beautiful, my amazing co-host... Jeff Lester. Hello, everyone. Hard to live up to those words, but I will try my best. You say hard to live up to, you make it look so easy. So, <laughs> uh, like I said, uh, Case Files 28 is from 1998. It's 2000 AD progs 1084 through 1099, and then 1101 to 1110. The reason for that is Prog 1100 was all slain the entire way. There was no <sighs> dread in that issue. Thank you. I was wondering. Then there's also Magazine Volume 3 issues 39 through 45. All of it, again, is written by Alan Wagner. And drawn by a bunch of people, including Sean Phillips, uh, Alex Ronald's there, Paul Marshall's in there, Trevor Hersine does a bunch, Siku does some, Carl Siskera has an extended run, uh, Killian Plunkett, who people know for Star Wars in here. Yeah, there's a bunch of people, but it's it's all under the Alan Grant, sorry, the John Wagner umbrella. Indeed. And like the last time, it's another very consistent volume. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, you did say Alan Wagner earlier, and I was like, oh, ah, ooh. So anyway. Now it's John Wagner. John Wagner. John, John Wagner, Wagner, everyone. Yes. So, time, so I can theoretically splice in John Wagner somewhere. Yeah, that's but what I'm thinking. I'm yeah. just going to keep the mistake in there. Oh, okay. Can, sometimes I'm just dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> John Wagner takes care of the whole shebang. And yeah, it, it, it is, again, very consistent. Jeff, you and I talked before we started recording about this week being like, sh- basically shit for both of us yeah and this volume was like comfort food yeah did you have that experience or not like yeah. there was something oddly relaxing about reading this yes yeah 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 i think so i think so yeah you know it's funny you mentioned profusely during the episode and in our show notes about how last time even though we enjoyed the volume we spent tremendous amounts of time basically complaining and i'm pretty sure that's probably all due on me so i want to be very cautious uh and upfront and say this was an incredibly enjoyable volume there's one or two things that um kind of weirdly weirded me out but but those are very minor and overall super strong volume very enjoyable and in many cases uh very very strong art just really, yeah, like you said, of real comfort food read, I think. What's odd and I didn't realize until, you know, preparing for the for the podcast was 
it's actually relatively short. I mean, not in terms of page count, but there's only eight stories from 2000 AD. Yeah. Some take place over multiple issues. Mm-hmm. But there's only seven stories from the magazine. There's only like 15 stories in the entire book, Wait. which feels low for a dread book. Absolutely. I should say nine, nine from 2000 AD. Right, there are nine. Sorry, you're completely right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, but yeah, but still, like that's nine, ten, sixteen stories. It did feel it felt pretty compact because I also think that there was one or two stories that that I thought were not were, were kind of dragged out. But well, let's okay. Let's let let me just cut to the chase. So. From Prague's 1101 to 1110 is Beyond the Call of Duty, uh, John Wagner, Carlos Escaron art all the way through, and it is technically a follow-up to The Pit in the yes. sense of um, Judge DeMarco has been made the head of a pretty desperate um, run-down precinct slash sector, and she requests for Dread to be seconded, seconded there, um, to to work the streets and give her a sense of what's working and what's not. Needless to say, I was super excited by this and really like, oh, this is going to be terrific. Um, Graham, before I talk about it, uh, what did you think? I think it's fine, but I also don't think it lives up to the pressure that it's under. Sure, because the pit is something we both loved. And the pit is something that we loved for multiple reasons because it's a multifaceted story, right? It it's it was you know Hill Street Blues and the Dreadverse, right? And as such, it it had multiple plot threads going through. And Beyond the Call of Duty, realistically, is kind of just got two plot threads. Yeah. Um, and and one of them is to Marco's relationship with Dread. Which is not necessarily as interesting as I think Wagner thinks it is. Or it's not as interesting to me, I should say. And so it's fine. But seeing things like DeMarco kissing Dredd and then getting upset at him when he doesn't respond doesn't have, I think, the impact for us as readers or for me as a reader as it's meant to for for DeMarco. She's surprised. And like, I'm not. And I'm sure you're not either. I'm sure none of the readers are. Right. Exactly. You know? And there's not enough in her surprise to make that feel worth of spending as much space in it, mm-hmm. you know? And then the, the twist at the end that DeMarco gets, you know, kidnapped and, and Dredd saves her and Dredd is theoretically concerned enough about her to wait until she's out of danger. And she's like, he does care. Kind of makes DeMarco look dumb for one of a better way of putting it. Like right. she's fooling herself, mm-hmm. which I feel works against the character works against what Wagner's trying to do. So it, it feels, it works in the, the like the issue to issue plot. It works as a, as a surface story, but as soon as you delve into any of the subtext, I think it, it falls apart. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I think you are being very generous to the story, Graham, because what you're talking about is not subtext. You're talking about things that are, um, anything other I mean, than the, the theme <laughs> yeah I, you know what i mean i'm like yeah so i would say i mean even part of me i'm like theme i'm like you're more or less talking really about the characterization you're really talking about the stuff that is not the kind of 
gritty action stuff. You know what I mean? Like, um, I we should also mention that Beyond the Call of Duty has a. I mean, I, I was going to say you were right about there being two levels of story. Arguably, there's there's maybe three. Yeah, there's maybe three. Because a very big one is that one of the judges sent to um, DeMarco's sector is uh, an SJS uh, judge who doesn't know anything about the streets and is kind of a... I mean, he basically is a, um, a, a kind of a, a mirror universe judge. If you if you get the Star Trek reference, he's he he essentially can't foresee any way that doesn't allow him to rise and succeed that doesn't involve spying on people. Which is interesting because it very much sets up this idea of Demarco's going to kiss Dread. This SGS guy is going to see it and and hijinks are going to ensue. And in fact, Wagner goes a very different direction in part based on the idea that, um, this sector is so bad that a bunch of, um, hard scrabble, uh, we've had enough of this bullshit guys are, um, from the sector are, are more or less absconding with criminals, um, ritualistically slaughtering them in kind of costume guy snuff mode, which anyone who's read Ed Piscor's Red Room will be very excited to know that the that he more or less just ripped this story off and, and tried try and ran with it. Just sort of cut out the judges and kept all the ideas of like, yeah, people come up with put on these stupid hoods and costumes and then cut each other up for money. It's exciting. It's great because everyone wins, including I, Ed, Ed Piscor, by ripping off a Judge Shred story that's twenty years old. Which he probably didn't do. None nonetheless, there beyond the call of duty you mentioned how much, um, you know, you talk about the pit, mentioned Hill Street Blues. I believe at the time we talked about maybe it was like homicide life on the streets, but it was it was suddenly dread a police procedural that was really riveting and also managed to stretch what dread can do and be. And beyond the call of duty feels a lot a lot like a Joe Esterhaus written uh, film from the 90s. You know what I mean? Like Esterhaus, who you know from writing uh, Basic Instinct, but also other classy films like Sliver, and, you know, seem to sort of specialize in making the the high drama thriller that usually had to do with, you know women getting sexy times and then some sort of rain slicked violence going on very, very much what I think we see um, happening here in, in beyond the call of duty, like beyond the call of duty worked in a, this is a perfectly serviceable, serviceable 1990s thriller that you might catch on Cinemax after 10 PM. But God bless it. That's I have much higher standards for Wagner and Iscara, and also honestly for some of the things with the characters of Dread um, and Marco, frankly, who I think 
everyone has a tremendous amount of fondness for and after beyond the call of duty is like nah, but maybe that was a mistake with you know what with... it, it, it's a shame like because i'm very aware of of the demarco yet to come for want of a better way of putting it you know i've read other demarco stories and so i still like demarco but this story does her no favors it's an odd one. But again, like we were complaining about last time with the stories that, you know, didn't really work for us, there's still enough quality that you're like, well, this works. It's just not the best story in the book, you know? Oh, it's, yeah, it's not the best like, story it, in the it, book. But it it's does a... work. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, that, it's not that it's a bad story. No, 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 no. Agreed. I mean, sometimes you, you know, like there's perfectly serviceable movies that you watch on Cinemax after 10 p.m. and this is definitely one of them. I it was it was okay. I thought I thought the as you get to the action-packed finale which is intercutting between um Dread sort of fighting his way into where DeMarco is being held and DeMarco fighting, you know, fighting off a heavily armed um killer who's intent on slaughtering her on film more or less um you know the storytelling's just top notch you know i really enjoyed it but at the same time i really enjoyed it in a disappointed way which which is which i don't know how to describe it is like i said i don't want to go down the the path of spending all this time complaining about the stories sure. or having you feel like all I did was, was bitch about everything. Cause I really do <laughs> like a lot, but, but it is very much kind of a shame that, um, that this is the Wagner Escara story slash follow. You know, you say that, but Escara's art is actually fucking great. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like, like a, a lot of the, the reason this does succeed as well as it does is Escara's, doing it oh yeah it's really on fire in this even yeah. with the computer coloring which you know i hate yes like iscara pulls some great stuff yeah in beyond the call of duty it, it's a really 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 good looking strip overall i think this is a pretty good looking book yeah i think so too I, I, the, the the sequel strips don't really work for me either in the magazine or in 2080 i i think that there's i think they're very atmospheric but also kind of terrible in terms of like floor or even character uh, no. You said Siku, right? Yes, the yes, artist. Yes. yes, no. Actually, I um I think that there's a very good case to be made that um at least one story is almost entirely ruined by really shit storytelling. Uh, vid specs, um, yeah, which is right. the penultimate story. Yeah, is just genuinely a mess with horrible storytelling choices that that cut against. Um, what should be a really good story, you know? The only one that I thought were Suku's, um... Are you going to say the Teletubbies? No, 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 no. I was going to say When the L Breaks, which should have been, is arguably a classic Dread story, I think, and I can't tell if it would have been aided by a better artist, but I actually think that, that unlike the Teletubby story and, um... And vid specs, I think that Siku actually did the work on it. You know, maybe because it was such a shorter piece or whatever, but the whole gist of when the L breaks has Dread trying to to bring in a suspect in a in a 
city block building where the elevator has gone out. So he has to take 210 flights of, of stairs at the opening of the story is pretty, it has to be grounded in um, a place and a setting. And considering by the time you get the vid specs, um, you know, Siku has pretty much given up on all of those. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say like setting really means what color am I choosing from my crayon box like it really is impressively underwhelming but there, there's something great about his finishes like there is something great about his i, I do like his styling mm-hmm. even though i don't like anything he does with that styling does that make sense i mean no <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm aware like i don't i don't like the way he does characters i don't like the way he does like uh storytelling I love the textures. I love the colors. I mean, I, I, I am I am teasing. But yeah, once you work the colors in, the colors in both the t- Teletubby story... It looks amazing in terms of color. It looks yes, amazing absolutely. Color. Absolutely. And it very much, I think, does um, kind of what Siku's hoping to do in other pieces, which is kind of have the color work create a a sense of place and particularly especially a sense of space um but but yeah it's the it's the only one where i feel that really works and and honestly really does work very very well um but no i mean even that wonderful double page spread where dread more or less swings across a building and smacks into a window like a bird and you see the entire city behind him, that's way more work than Suku put in to the other two stories combined. Yeah, to, to anything in the magazine. Yeah, or, or exactly. Enough, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but like, overall, I think the art in this volume is great. Really um, good. I, I know that you didn't really like Alex Ronalds in previous volumes. I thought a couple of Alex Ronalds stories here were great. I thought Headbangers the very first one with the main machine yeah. might be my favorite story in the entire volume. Mm, it's a great story. And Alex Ronald's art is great. I thought it's funny. I thought Alex Ronald, I thought I said good things about maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. Last, no, 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 no. It might've been one of them, but no, he's uh, but, really but strong. I, I think his stuff's great. It's really reminiscent to me of really early Frank Whiteley. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I see that. Whereas I'm very much like, yeah, if, um, it's a damn shame out of all the nineties dread crossovers that we never got the, the, the sublime one shot crossover between judge dread and Reed Fleming world's toughest smoke man. But I definitely think <laughs> Alex like Ronald Ronald would have killed on that. Would have killed on it. Graham. It would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, but yeah. I do like headbangers. I think is, is, I mean, just, just such a uh, a great, funny, uh, stupid story. Yeah, I mean, I think almost anything with the main machine has to be stupid. Oh, he's definitely. A stupid character. Like right. he's an inherently dumb character. Right. But something about we have to use main machine because we're going to Scotland where everyone headbutts and they have been <laughs> genetically mutated to be really good at headbutting is just great. And like you know, the chief of the clan's called McBean. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it's. I mean, it was just. It's Wagner. Wagner, I think, is known for being a funny writer, especially in Red. But yeah. some of the funny stuff I think in the last few volumes has not quite landed. And Headbangers is just perfect. Yeah, Wagner yeah, yeah, yeah. is, is uh, Headbangers is Wagner having fun, 
and it's really fun. And I think Ronald's art just hits the tone perfect. Oh, throughout yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It just and again, I think I said this last time. I can't remember what I said about Ronald or someone else. There's definitely artists who seem to forget that Dredd has a nose, and, <laughs> and I think Ronald kind of does this. Yeah, uh, here. But that, that just that panel where he says only one way to save the situation now, you're claimed McBean. Yeah. Is that's that's maybe my favorite panel of Dread like we've seen yeah. so far in this run. Yeah. It's just Oh, it's it's such a great little story. Um yeah, Ronald's great. There's some amazing John Burns stuff in the magazine. Oh god, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the uh Trevor Hairsign's pretty good. Uh it, more so when he colors himself. Mm-hmm. The the taxidermist story he gets colored by Alan Craddock, and Alan Alan Craddock's who colors a lot of the two thousand eight material. Mm-hmm. His coloring does not help anyone. Mm-hmm. His coloring very much. I've just got Photoshop and uh, I look at all the colors I can do. Sometimes I can make it shiny, and that that does not work on almost any artist, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But like hair sign stuff is great. Yeah, I I just I do I think this is a really good looking volume of the book I agree. from a, a, a series of artists that you wouldn't necessarily think of as dread artists mm. you know mm-hmm. when you think of like oh the classic dread artists i'm not sure anyone in this book with the exception of maybe cliff robertson maybe john burns you, you would think like oh like you know that's a, that's definitely a dread artist i mean but apart every, from mascara of course mascara yeah of course right. uh but everyone here mm-hmm. you know really puts in a pretty good a pretty good showing that maybe the one thing that's not true is um julian gibson and the you've been fingered story which again is just very much of the you know eye can airbrush yeah i mean i i didn't mind it honestly i it's thought not horrendous. I, we've seen worse but you know i i think there's for want of a better way of putting it i think there's a solidity to everyone else's dread and i think there's something about like that level of airbrushed art where dread feels very much like he belongs inside of a van <laughs> Sorry, Graham. I'm. I was. I was raised in the '70s in Humboldt County. That's technically the highest praise you can offer. Exactly. That's, You're like that's, that's not a- actually an insult. Yeah, that is. That's the opposite. <laughs> so, sorry. I understand that you. You know, there's a context thing that's missing there. I think that. Um, I think you're right. I think one thing that is. Uh, that really makes the difference is all of the artists are perfectly matched. I would say to the stories that they're telling. Like, I don't. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I'm not necessarily crazy. Like, Julian Gibson's art is didn't necessarily um, knock me out, but it it works really well on "You've Been Fingered" in a story that has a lot of sort of dark overtones, but is also a broad story. Um, you know, down on Sausage Tree Farm, Paul Marshall really does a very sort of flat um you know and and guy gary caldwell brings a a very sort of flatter coloring to it 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 almost reminds me of i don't know it's some somewhere between you know an all ages judge dread avengers uh adventures with the occasional touch of like i don't know rick geary or something you know but it's but it's also it's perfectly suited for down on sausage tree farm which is mostly a serious story told through absolutely ridiculous stereotypes, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the angel of mercy follow-up story again by Alex Ronald looks great 
and is a great continuation. I think he did the original story with uh with those characters with the Angel of Mercy and her peeper husband the first time, didn't it? Didn't he? I think so. I can't swear to it, but I think so. Yeah. So I mean, I just think that if nothing else, um, apart from like really. I think I think Siku kind of dropped the ball on the magazine work that they did, but but yeah, no, actually, I thought I thought all of the art here was really strong and more or less perfectly suited for the stories that it that they were telling. So it it is it's it's a like artistically, I think it's one of the strongest volumes in quite a while. Yeah, I think so too. I think so you know, too. and and story wise, I think it is again, it's 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 pretty strong you know outside of the couple of of things we can complain about you know even things even stories where i don't like the art like uh mm-hmm. you can finger i think it's a great story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i think i think that uh i think that the writing is is really pretty strong all the way through and 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 in times great the final stories a death in the family the one right. from the magazine mm-hmm. um i i Jeff, talk to me about that, because I feel it's very close to the, you know, Wagner as Scold idea that you came up with. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it really fucking works. Like, I really like that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I thought that it was... I thought it was... A... I thought it was a really good story as well. But, yeah, um... Judge Dad definitely makes his appearance uh, again several times throughout this volume, and um, where Wagner is very, very clear that, um, for lack of a better term, that that you know the dread is right, the dread's take is right, and so I, for me, I feel a death in the family more or less doesn't work without all of the work that he and other writers, particularly Alan Grant, have done to the point where Dread could genuinely be doing what he's doing. I don't know. I guess it's kind of vague to talk about. Essentially, A Death in the Family is a great little story in which a corrupt politician guy who has more or less started up a um, euthanasia committee. He's the chairman of the euthanasia committee. And um, he himself signed a document, you know, on TV. The idea being that people who agree to be euthanized, their families are entered in drawings for big prizes. It's basically a lottery thing. So it's a way of, of, you know, unsurprisingly killing off old people. And so this politician who we see living the high life and, and boasting about um, uh, essentially, you know, that power corrupts and the trick is not being caught is um, summoned by dread to, to, be taken to the euthanasia center and bumped off and the whole process by which the man begins basically is pleading and begging through every step of the process and dreads like no i'm you know i'm just more or less i'm following rules this isn't the the this is 
this is a huge pain in my ass. You know, I don't want to be here. Like, stop making it, you know. So anyway, he basically drags it all out. And the ultimate denouement is um, the euthanasia happens in two stages. One, the person is shot full of tranquilizers and is allowed to sit there um, for like two or three hours uh, with no sensation in their body, um, supposedly to be able to relax and reflect and in true Sony green style, look at pleasant scenery played on a video screen. And then the final shot is administered to them and they die. And more or less right up at the level of the final shot about to be administered, Dread more or less talks about how he had dealt with this entire situation of um, a real family who really had where the old person had been killed precisely because he more or less had been tricked into signing one of these forms and there was no way out. So Dread is teaching a lesson to this man, bringing him right to the level of death and then saying right on the last page, I don't particularly hold with mass euthanasia in the first place. Seems a hell of a way to solve the population problem, but everybody has a right to change their mind. And don't tell me what the rules say. I don't care what the rules say. You'll have me to deal with. Uh, So yeah, you know, kind of... We start moving into the area of Dread being the guy who knows best and sort of in a way that um is is less ambiguous than i think that we're we're dealing with there there are a few other situations in here where like um the absolutely amazing terrifying like you know wagner's satire is our present with the the first appearance of the liars party where um, a political party has raised to power and more or less brags about the fact that, that because everyone expects politicians to lie, they do it openly and therefore carry a certain authority with them that other politicians can't, uh, is so shockingly on point for our times. It's painful. And, 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 what, and also it's, it's quite clearly a Tony Blair story. Oh, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's yeah. That makes sense. You know, like it's it's a, a you know I, I guess a year at this point into the 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 Blair prime ministership, but it's it's clearly a Tony Blair story, mm. which which honestly kind of makes it more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it you're right in that it feels very uh, timely now, but but I could not read it without looking at at the. At the past, for what a better way of putting it. Sure. You know, I, 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 at the, the time in which it was written, and, and be like, oh yeah, Wagner fucking hates Tony Blair. <laughs> Wagner clearly hates Tony Blair and, and does not, you know, give him any credibility or, or any edge at all. Like, he's not willing to give him, a, a, you know, an inch mm-hmm. in the slightest. He, he clearly is just like, this, this man is a fucking idiot and he's lying to you and you're all falling apart. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, that's the great thing about me not really being exposed to that context. Because for me, it's so uh, so perfectly sums up, like, the satirical broad strokes are 
not even satirical takes on what the GOP has done in this country recently and continues to do. Oh, no, no. It, it's, it, it feels very uh, timely mm-hmm. for American readers and honestly probably British readers today as well. Yes. It's just, oh, like, definitely. I, I think that says more about how terrible politics has been for the last 20 years. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's I think that's very true. Um, but yeah, a it certainly worked for me. But I think, um, and it's it says a lot about the story that the story ends with dread, more or less, saying something like, "Well, they say the only good politician's a dead politician." That might just be true in this case, and you know, in a way, it's not really any different from the usual dread like i'm giving you the punchline to the story thing but it's just it's just heavier there's a little bit more judge dad a little bit more of a scold uh here and i i don't necessarily even begrudge that i think there's times where some of these stories have a I don't I don't I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's almost like the the serious stories are jokes and the the joking stories are serious to me, you know? Yeah, I I, I think there is definitely some element of that. Mhm. You know, I mean, there the really there really is some element of it, I feel Wagner's satire has become more pointed. Mm-hmm. I say that, you know, there's also a fucking Teletubby story, so may, maybe I take that back. Well, yeah. But but I do feel that there's there is uh, when you know the OJ story last volume, the the liar party story here, that there's some anger behind it. Yeah, you know, like like it's it's not again with the exception of the Teletubby story. When he makes fun of things, he's not solely making fun. Mm-hmm. He's making fun because he is just fed up, mm-hmm. and I think the fed up actually spills over a lot. Yeah, I you think know, so. Honestly, even something like the Jimmy Dean story. Oh, I, that was actually going to be the one. W- moving into the realm of the joke stories are serious. Um, the Jimmy Dean story is a weird mirror of the um, Stone Killer story. You know what I mean? Like, it's a story that more or less spins on the idea of clones, uh, more or less identical clones, and. Uh, in the case of Stone Killer, which is kind of a, again, in the Cinemax 70s kind of way, like a store. Oh, Sleaze. We have to talk about Sleaze. We do. Because that is also one where you get the judge dad punchline. But um, Stone Killer has, uh, you know, the sort of thing that would be kind of be, you know, that, that Jeff would normally lap up with a spoon where more or less you think that a judge is a killer of sex workers and you more or less find out sort of that he has a a darker half. Um, The art, of course, by John Burns is absolutely phenomenal and just so, just a perfect marriage of of what I think of as um, British cartooning and, 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 a more Euro comic sensibility, I guess. Um, and yet no more Jimmy Dean's, which is a big joke story about essentially, uh, a James Dean style actor, um, named James Dean's who 
hands out his cloning kit to anyone who will pay for it so that women can essentially have his baby and you end up with an entire juve gang that is made of you know identical duplicates of him and are coming to kill him because of his own self-loathing is fucking great like it's it's so stupid and over the top but actually weirdly poignant and very sort of being John Malkovichy in a in a weird way, that it feels much more pointed and having something to say than the ostensibly more serious counterpart does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was wondering a little bit about vid specs, which I had to read twice because honestly, um, Siku's storytelling was so bad like i literally gave up on the story like it wasn't that i gave up on the story i I should say yeah it Mm -hmm. it actively the artworks against you reading it yeah exactly it's genuinely difficult to read and honestly i think that's true of the teletubby story as well Oh, the teletubby story indeed yep teletubby story is, is impossibly light yeah but even so you know that it's it's that's, that's a rough read. It is. He makes two <laughs> or three storytelling choices in the Teletubbies heist one, where you're just like, "Wait, what's happening? Like, wait, how did I? Why can't my eye follow this?" And um, so I actually got to the point where I had to put down the Judge Dredd story because I the the the, the case files because I got to the end of that story put it down, picked it up to start the next story and more or less realized that I had, I, I, I had not really read vid specs. I had more or less survived it. So I went back and read it and it's, it's a, it's a comic piss up story about a woman who has basically Google glass, um, has vid specs and is able to watch TV um, through her glasses with speakers playing. And so in in kind of classic Judge Dredd, John Wagner's love of Mr. Magoo fashion, she ends up stumbling into the middle of a incredibly fraught set of dangerous situations without even really understanding what she's doing because she's watching yeah, without, without, without knowing where she is. Yeah, yeah. Basically, she's so into watching these reruns of coronation street which she's you know trying to emulate and which she adores because they do nothing and nothing happens um and ends up actually endangering her own life simply by being so out of touch and watching these things like the storytelling is execrable in that (laughs) um but i thought that wagner was really i mean it's time for jeff's it's time for jeff's crazy theory corner i really felt that vid specs was a a strange little mission statement for wagner on dread because honestly there's a lot of pointed comments where um the the narrator who's talking directly to us um bonnie duckworth maybe i don't know i don't have her first name right but she maybe it's Deirdre Duckworth. She 
is like, yeah, soap operas, they're dead brilliant because nothing ever happens, you know, and I love them. And I, I'm like, oh, man, you know, Ken's going to, like, propose to her, you know, just like he has the last four times, and hopefully she'll have learned by now. Um, there's something very, um, how do I put it? Like, on the one hand, I think Wagner's doing a piss-up of, um, you know, exactly what he says, Coronation Street and those forever running soaps but i also think unsurprisingly there is an element that a it could be superhero stuff and or comics continuity that he's talking about oh yeah i mean he's doing he is simultaneously you know making fun of coronation street yeah and and the accent in particular which i i kind of love i love his his phonetics geordie but he's also very clearly you know writing about fandom and and the how blinkered fans can be yes i mean and, and honestly siku for all that the art is not great siku draws attention to that because i mean look at what her shirt says i know her shirt says i love dread in the very first panel oh that's right? really funny mm-hmm. so so you know he, wagner is writing about fandom mm-hmm. you know and and about the the uh ability to Focus so much on the details that you lose the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think focus on the details that you lose the bigger picture. But I, I, I actually think that there's something more than that, uh, which is, which is to say that, um, you know, how do I put it? This story, I don't know when it's being written, when it happens, but I don't think that it's a big surprise that. Or rather, I think it's very telling that Wagner writes this story in the same volume in which Judge Dredd gets kissed by Judge DeMarco. You know what I mean? Like, you've got one character talking about soap operas and how great they are because nothing happens. And then you've got two characters kissing. And of course, nothing happens from that because nothing can happen. Like, Dredd is just like, nothing is going to come out of that. It made me think, you know, I think Wagner had said that he had written the pit more or less at at an editor's request. Like the editor was really game to have him try and do something closer to the procedural style stuff. And it all came together. And Beyond the Call of Duty, to me, feels a little bit like Wagner has been asked to come back and deliver a follow-up. Um huge rampant speculation on my part here of course literally do not know i just know that the fact that this story is called beyond the call of duty the fact that it has this completely inert emotional confrontation because of course it is um that you find yourself going like why are we even doing this what what's the point and then later in this volume admittedly over in the more adult uh version of dread you've got ragnar having a character wearing an i love dread shirt who's like yeah this is these are it's brilliant nothing ever changes you know and i think on top of that you have a story in which wagner is doing what wagner does which is more or less comedy you know what i mean like comedy is not soap opera and unsurprisingly there's a lot in this stuff that a lot in this volume, in, as in a lot of uh, 
all the volumes were Wagner's writing where you're just as likely to get comedy. And I think for Wagner, there's a little bit of that idea of like comedy works in the moment. You know what I mean? Like if it works, if it's funny, it doesn't need 20 years of continuity to to make it funny. Sometimes you can work a joke around 20 years of continuity, but the fact that you can have two guys performing a heist and they more or less end up running into the spot where, you know, the human bomb is threatening to go off. And so you get this ridiculous showdown in which the middle of it is, you know, a woman who ends up like shouting stuff because of the 20 year old soap opera that she's watching or 20, 200 year old soap opera that she's watching. I think, I think is, I think is really funny. And I also think it's very pointed. I think Wagner is actually trying to say something or so it feels to me in the middle of this incredibly goofy story, sort of the same way that you get some other goofy stories that say stuff, you know, um, I just think that that's a real achievement. And I think it's very important for Wagner um, in part because again, in the line of duty doesn't really do much, but but I do feel that, for example, Sleaze is a very serious dread story that has a lot to say, that does actually work, um, and, but also in its own way is not soap opera. But it also is. And I don't mean it in the sense of uh, – it's not Coronation Street. Yeah. But it's soap opera insofar as it is expanding it, – like it, it's, it's a, a continuing story. Because right. Sleaze is not only a good one-off in its own right, uh, it's also an expansion of the idea that Judge Edgar is is a, a, a threat to Dredd, but more importantly, a threat to the justice system in Dredd's eyes. Right. You know, that, that, that Edgar is doing things that are Dredd sees as immoral and illegal. Right. And, and that therefore they, they become a threat to dread, not because they're necessarily threatening dread directly, because they're not, but because they are they are threatening dread's belief system, you know. And that's a, that's a plot that we've already seen and will expand in the future. Mm-hmm. So in that in that respect, it is soap opera, right? It, it it is it is part of this larger story, but it also works if you've never read any Edgar uh, previous Edgar experience. Yes, you know, exactly. if you've never read any earlier dread honestly mm-hmm. you, you you can get everything you need from sleaze i think sleaze is a wonderful story oh absolutely i, th- I think wagner gets everything right with sleaze yes it, yeah. it, it feels it feels great even the the honestly clumsy ending you know well the, again the, you the, get the, judge dad there you know i mean that's you really do get dread like you said the ending's clumsy it's literally dread saying like you know, if this is what the law is, then, you know, what's, what's the, law? the law? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, who, who watches the Watchmen is basically what he says in the end. <laughs> really, yeah, who's no, correct? absolutely. For them or us. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is. But even that works in the context of this story. Mm-hmm. You know, because it feels like, it, it feels like, and I mean this as a compliment, even though it does not sound like one. It feels like Wagner is doing the thing that you did when you were in school and you had to write an essay. We were like, and then in the last paragraph, I will repeat everything I previously said in one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's what it feels like. But it works. Yeah. 
Yeah. And again, uh, it's worth saying that part of it is an absolutely perfect matchup of artist to story. I think, I think, I think John stuff in it is, is so great. Just kills it. Just kills it. The, the coloring and the art is perfect. And again, there's nothing, there's, it matches the story perfectly because there's nothing subtle about it. You know what I mean? It's it's all incredibly it's all right there. It's all delineated. It's all mm-hmm. kind of practically I don't know. It's just it it is it's unsubtle storytelling for an unsubtle story, but that doesn't mean that it's not also perfect like just yeah no no it's it's pitch, pitch perfect. perfect it really is mm-hmm. and you get you know you simultaneously have it being you know garishly colorful at times but also when it needs when burns needs to do the the noir scenes mm-hmm. you know or he he gets he gets the lighting right he gets the colors right yes you know there's a great scene where where Dredd is talking to Edgar and Edgar's in the foreground and you see her scowling face and Dredd's in the shadows and and the color choices he makes in that panel are amazing. Yeah. You know, the color choices he makes when he goes to speak to the hacker. And it, it's it's a nighttime yes. scene. Wakes mm-hmm. the hacker up. Like, there, there's just great work going on there. It's, it's really skillful artwork. Yeah, I think so too. And just an extraordinary use of colors. And again, just, just fabulous. Um, and so it really does suit the tone that Wagner is going for, which is to say <laughs> the art is incredibly direct and the story is direct and Wagner's telling of the story couldn't be more direct. Um, so yeah, it, it, it works, but I also do think that it's, in fact, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if it ends up being my, my favorite story in the volume or not. It's, it, it's it's definitely gotta be up there yeah you know right. it's it's definitely one of the strongest but again like this is a volume almost like last time where i feel like we didn't really have a lot to say about the good stuff and we instead we concentrated the bad like the good stuff here is just good i don't even feel like you know there's really an incredible amount to say about it mm-hmm. I, I because there's also not anything new really thematically introduced mm-hmm. headbangers is great but we know by this point how a mean machine story runs you know, right? Sleaze is great, but we know what an Edgar story is. Mm-hmm. Even even uh, a death in the family, which you know I I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Judge Scolds before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the everything works here almost because of that thing I was saying before about comfort food. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to do exactly what you want it to do and to do it well. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that I honestly I think that was true of the last volume as well, and that might be why we did spend so much time talking about what didn't work. Yes, because twenty-seven and I would say even more so twenty-eight are good dread volumes because they do good dread. Yes, there's no reinvention of the wheel here. There's mm-hmm. not even any. You know, the pit felt like a new type of dread story, right? And you don't get that here. Yeah. No, you just get good dread stories. Yeah, I think you get good dread stories, but hmm, how do I put it? It's 
Well, I I think I think that of course my theory that the easiest way to tell a good dread story is to tell it about characters other than dread works pretty well here like as a good rule of thumb that being said i feel like sleaze which is fabulous is purely a dread story and very much works precisely because it's it's dread being dread and dread in the situation that would normally be rough for him i think you know, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I I feel like I I think that I think that this I like this volume a ton. Um, and yeah, I know what you mean. I, at the same time, I do feel like I think Wagner will prove me wrong later. But I think I think Dread is flatter in this volume. And in the last volume, then he's been in a while. Like, I don't... Like you said, maybe wait, that's... Wait, you, mean, you mean the character? Sorry, the, the character. Story? Yeah, the character is... Is not... There's there's currently, there's no surprises up Wagner's sleeve about yeah, No, no, and Yeah, I think I think that's that's entirely true. And I think that's almost by design. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, mean, um, I was reading. I was reading Throw Power Overload earlier today, mm, or I should say. Yeah. Um, and these these stories are coming out around the era where David Bishop's stepping away as editor. Right. Right. And Bishop mm-hmm. had been an editor who who had been, in many respects, trying to push 2080 as a as a series forward, but also trying to keep it alive. Yes. Right. And so there is a sense of like, well, you know, you need a dread story to be a dread story, you know. Yeah. And 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 he's he succeeded by Andy Diggle, and Andy Diggle, you know, famously was like was like, well, let's go back to basics with 2080. Yes. And I'm wondering how how many how much of this is people being like, okay, but can we get a dread story that feels like a dread story? And yeah. that that's very much what this volume feels like. It's full of dread stories that feel like dread stories and are well done and are enjoyable dread stories. And again. I I liked this book a lot. I I think this book was 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 not only comfort food but really good comfort food. Yes, you know you you get you get so many of the old hits. Like there's even the Ugly Clinic in there. You know, like yes. when was last time we really got auto sum preferences? Um, and and to any extent that it feels modern or contemporary for the time, I think that's down to the artists. Yes, because I think Wagner is very much writing not trying to recreate the past per se, but definitely with one eye on the past. Um, you know, I, I will say one of the things that sort of makes me feel this is that I think by far the strongest material in this book is in the magazine. It's from mm-hmm. the magazine strips, mm-hmm. which, you know, traditionally has not been the case at all. But I think, you know, with the exception of Headbangers, the best strips here are from the magazine. Yeah, I think these. I think Stonekiller. I think Stonekiller is a great story. I really, really like it. I think mm-hmm. it's it works as a thriller. You know. Yeah. Uh, Death in the Family. You know. I I think there's no more Jimmy Deans. I think the the yeah the stuff is really strong here, mm-hmm. but also feels less tied to the past. Yeah, I I see that. My 
particular theory you mentioned Diggle um and I think certainly from what I remember re- in my thrill power overload you know reread of certain sections from last month is that idea of Diggle was definitely approaching that back to basics and also with a very strong idea of you know essentially it's okay to just play the hits if you're if you do it well if it's of quality and that's that's really true here but i i also realize part of part of why i don't I talk about dread being a little flat here and maybe it's just because again, I'm sort of, uh, after, after 25 plus volumes of this stuff, I, I actually weirdly feel like I have a perspective on dread, which I clearly did not when we started doing this, this podcast. Um, but I think one of the things that is, should not, that is entirely to John Wagner's credit is he, how do I put it? When he's handling dread, he is perfectly okay going into hibernation's the wrong word, but he has, he has seasons. You know what I mean? Like unlike say the, uh, the eternal false feeling of acceleration that that infamous stanley's illusion of progress that you have with american superheroes where the idea is that everything is changing and accelerating and it's the biggest threat and it's the biggest dramatic challenge and now this thing is happening that is just like everything that's happened before but is somehow all the more powerful because it's yeah exactly never been it's like this same, before but bigger yes the same but bigger one of the things that's really great about wagner is i think with very few exceptions he really doesn't step up to do those kinds of stories with dread until he feels he has a story that's worth worth it and he's strong enough to where if he doesn't like what he does is so good it's how do i put it it doesn't feel like spinning wheels it doesn't feel feel like fill in material and what's great is i've been trained over 25 volumes of of this where some of the best material is stuff that are one offs that are like Eisner's spirit story that focus on secondary characters or just have a little bit of humor, which again is when it's funny, it works. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't need anything else. It can succeed on its own terms. And I feel like Wagner's pretty aware that if he delivers that, then he doesn't Dread doesn't need to be trapped in this perpetual motion machine. And, yeah. um, which I think is part of the reason why Beyond the Call of Duty is kind of a head scratcher to me. Because I'm like, yeah, it's because Escara does a great job with the art, and because Wagner knows how to tell a story, it's, I mean, it's enjoyable and it's solid, but it also kind of like, there's part of me that's been trained in a Pavlov 
Snoop's dog kind of way that if Wagner and Escara are doing a multi-part dread story and you've got DeMarco involved, like I'm going to start salivating, you know? So that's kind of a bummer, but, but a incredibly strong volume, really a great, enjoyable read. B again, the thing that I think is amazing about Wagner and what he and 2000 AD have built with dread by this point is dread is able to the when they're not doing the big big stories the the quote unquote small stories or what what other people would think of as one off stories are have just as much quality and care put into them um and work on a completely different level but they work and that is what's great is is that that is built into how we understand dread. And so you can get a volume like this, which if you were talking about the continuity of the character is relatively quote unquote slight. You've maybe got yeah, two. It's, it's, a, it's a light volume. For, yeah. If you're looking at like the big dread events. Right. Exactly. Arguably it would be beyond the call of duty and sleaze, you know, and Yet, really, honestly, there's so much good stuff here, um, and 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 again, for me, like when you look at it, you really only kind of have sleaze. Like beyond the Call of Duty, just feels like um, feels like a faint, you know. Um, but yeah, good volume, and yeah, I know what you mean, Graham. Kind of a little bit of the yeah, and so that's our that's our thirty second review. It was good. I liked it. <laughs> No, but it, it, that's the weird thing where it's like, okay, and so it's good. We're done. Yeah. Uh, because it, and I, I almost feel like we're, you know, we're letting everyone down by saying this. You know, you can go individually by stories, right? Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Taxidermist is a fun sequel to an earlier story. You've mm-hmm. been fingered. It's an update on an earlier story. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ugly clearer is essentially an update on the auto something. They're all fine. None of them really distinguish themselves. Mm-hmm. The joy of the volume is it's just a consistently enjoyable volume. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's that's where that's where this book succeeds. Mm-hmm. The strength of the book is its consistency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, as you said, the strength of the book is also that Wagner is not trying to up the ante considerably. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a sequel to the taxidermist you get a sequel to angel of mercy and for all intents and purposes they're more of the same mm-hmm. and more of the same works yes you know like you don't get the feeling that wagner's like i've been bringing back the angel of mercy then well she's got to kill the entire city because that's the only way we can go bigger right you know right or, mm-hmm. or beyond the call of duty if anything is is a smaller scale oh exactly pits. exactly you yeah, know it, yep and there, there's something there is something uh not just enjoyable, but valuable about Wagner's seeming refusal to, to go bigger uh, when given the opportunity. Yeah. You know, like he, he is consistently being like, this is a dread story. I, I know what a judge dread story is. This is a judge dread story. Right. And and that's, that's kind of great. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was saying, the magazine material is all, you know, at, at the very least, enjoyable 
even the sequel things that you don't necessarily land because of the art. But again, you know, one of them's about someone who's watching Coronation Street on her glasses. Yeah. One of them's about Jimmy Dean clones. Right. They're, they are... They're, there's a temptation to say they're throwaway ideas. Mm-hmm. And they're, they are. And that's the joy of it. The joy of it is just going, yeah, this is fun. Let's let's do what we can with this fun story and then leave it behind. Well, right. I, I think that middle part is super important because I think that is one of the things that is super important to me about Wagner is I feel for the most part, um, for, for the vast part, he really, I don't think he really does half-ass it, you know, when it comes to the comedy. Like, if he can come up with something that he thinks works really well and who knows i personally think that what he had in mind for his teletubby heist you know what the artist was going to deliver for that was going to be you know fucking hilarious but yeah no i think i think there's just enough levels of things um where yeah he it 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 never is just because it's not a serious story doesn't mean that Wagner doesn't take what he's doing seriously. And one of the things that's great is, for the most, Siku two of Siku's stories aside, I would say that is absolutely the case with all of the artists here. You know, um, I really do think like some of their stuff isn't necessarily to my taste per se, but you know, but. It's all of it seems to be really delivering, and and that is, I mean, again, I still it's starting to thank God it's become a distant memory, but you know, considering the fact where we had two or three plus volumes where nobody seemed to know how to tell a Judge Dread story, um, it's 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 a it's a huge relief and and hugely enjoyable. Yeah, it, it's. It's a weird thing. We had a period of dread cover bands and dread cover bands that weren't really good. And just having Wagner back really sort of low key, just Mm -hmm. delivering. Yeah. And honestly, now with an art lineup that even when I don't like the coloring, you know, the line work from all these artists is, is, Mm -hmm. is kind of great. You know, Siku, Siku and, and uh, Jordan Gibson are, are the two that, that don't really land, but otherwise, like there, there's, I feel that the art-wise, we're we're back to a really strong place as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it just feels like after the early '90s being a very rough period for mm-hmm. Dread. Now that we're in '98, things are just good, really good. You know, yeah. like you know, and 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 in such a uh, an almost casual sense. Mm-hmm. That I think it's easy to be to not really fully appreciate the value of this is just good. <laughs> well, it's interesting because yeah, it's it's just good. But like you said, it can also be good in a way that's really hard to sort of say anything new about. In part because yeah. part of what's really good about it is the fact that it it it's manage not it's not new, but that but it's also not stale. And yeah. that is fabulous, um, but it also makes it very hard to talk about, you know, because because honestly, at that point, the 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 proof of it is really in the pudding. You really have to read it 
to be able to be like, oh yeah, no, I see what you're saying. You know, it's right. The artist really makes this and combined with this, you know, like I said, just the fact that Mean Machine stories are really dumb and the fact that Wagner figures out another clever way to be really stupid is is awesome, you know. So no, exactly. It, it's it's a joy to see him just continually do what is deceptively difficult. So yes, well. exactly, exactly. And again, and and to have the artists be able, in most cases, to deliver on that as well, just fabulous. So. So do you want to pick your? I mean, unless you have something else, I think I think we're. No, I, I mean that's just it. Like this is going. This genuinely is going to be the shortest stroke we've ever done. Yeah, because it's it's good, but it's good in a way that is unremarkable when it comes to commenting on theme or meaning or or you know subtext because all of it's there's not really anything new. The newest thing is John Wagner hates Tony Blair, and honestly, good for him. Right, <laughs> but but everything else is are things we've already talked about, or things that are still in progress. Like the Edgar stuff's going to go somewhere, but all you get in the meantime, all you get in the meantime is a really good story with Edgar in it. You know, the Mean right. Machine story. Like I said, Headbangers is my favorite story in this volume. It's it's dumb, it's smart dumb, which is even better. Uh, but also, it's Wagner making fun of Scottish people, mm-hmm. which. Is always a particular joy for me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's got that great electrons art. Yeah. But again, like you said, th- these are things that to fully appreciate how good they are, you have to read them. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, I, we can't really explain to you why these are good, other than just saying they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, they're you quite know? good. Yeah, I think they're they're in in ways that are self evident. It would be fun to be able, like I said, apart from feeling like the funny stuff was more serious than the serious stuff. That was like my big, that was the closest thing I came to some sort of big takeaway. You know? Yeah. Let's do, do insight. Yeah. Headbangers is my favorite by far. Uh, okay. I, I, I think it is, is just, it's just a very, very fun, uh, fun story and, and, and a stupid story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I want, Jeff. Yes. I totally get I, it. I, I, I want fun and stupid. And, and it, it 100% delivers. More of that, please. Yes, indeed. And the worst story in the volume? The worst story in the volume is probably the Teletubbies one. I can't remember what it's called. It's not called something like Bouncy Bratz Heist or something? It, it is the Bouncy Bratz Heist. Very is, good. is that exactly what it's called? That is literally what it's called. Yeah, good on you. Good, on good, you. good job. Uh, yeah, that's probably the worst for me because mm-hmm. it's it struggles with the CQR, which just doesn't really work. But also... You know, I I would say that the art is arguably worse. Sequel's art is arguably worse than Vitzbex, but Vitzbex has more fun in the concept from Wagner for me. Mm. So, so yeah, Brad size for me. It's 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 a fairly strong. No, thank you. You right? Um, it uh, you know, there's there's enough good stuff in here that it's really hard to pick out the best after after bitching about it. <laughs> I might go with sleaze but i also think when the l breaks is kind of just classic uh dread like i really loved so much of that story because it's such a uh wonderful 
like, oh man, why didn't anyone ever think of doing this before? And of course, Wagner's like, well, I've thought of it and I'm really going to execute on it. Um, but Headbangers is lovely. Like, it's very easy to sit down and pick like a top, you know, three or four and really hard for me to, to nail it down to just one. Um, the worst is, I think I agree, has to be the Bouncy Bretts heist, although um, Vid Specs breaks my heart because I, it was only on rereading it that I was kind of like, oh, this is, this, it's the kind of thing that I really like, which is, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy confection that is sm that I feel is smuggling something inside it. So it it could have been something that you know, you talked about no more Jimmy Deans, you know, is something that we've mentioned two or three times. One of clearly one of our favorite stories in the volume and and it breaks my heart that Vid Specs can't be that cuz I feel like it should have been. Um so yeah, I think uh, Okay, do you think Vid Specs would have been better with a different artist? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's some stuff that there's some stuff that is that, that I feel Siku actually does, um, pretty well. Like you said, I, I get what you're saying about, um, the, the colors, um, and the, and I actually think that there's also a, um, a certain level of cartooning in the sort of Simon Bisley-esque kind of way to it. Um, God, why can't I find the pages here? Uh, but that, that, that sort of like whenever, um, what's her name, uh, actually takes off her glasses and you see her face and she's actually looking and talking i i kind of quite like um but yeah no i think i think the story has just i mean because it's part of the problem is 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 that you it i think what's supposed to be happening is there's two layers to the story one is that sort of classic wagner dread farce and in which an oblivious character is sort of walking into the middle of it and and I and I just think that C, because Siku's storytelling is so bad and confusing, and the choices are made to, you know, cover up either deadline problems or whatever the hell is going on. Like, there's no, there's the timing is all off. There's no comic timing. So, yeah, I think I think I think if um, I think if vid specs had been done by Alex Ronald, I think I think we would have been talking about it like a classic and 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 one of the the best stories. You know, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I get why you wouldn't. You would have to still pick Headbangers over it because Headbangers is fabulous. But but I think vid specs could have been close if you'd had Ronald or someone else really on top of their game on it. Uh, Drock or Dross? Drock. Definitely Drock. I'm I'm the same. It it's you know it's not even close. It, yeah. It's, it, it's funny. I think one of the things that also dooms this volume in terms of of discussion is that we have we've dealt with really shit dread. 
Right. Like we've 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 dealt with really bad volumes of of the case files, so that I, even even something that is, I mean, again, this is a good volume, but even the things that don't work are still miles ahead of the worst we've seen. So like, I, and I don't mean to create a curve, but I there's no way that I could say this isn't Drog. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen Dross. <laughs> well, I think we've seen Dross, but I just don't think that there's much... There's... Let's put it this way. I think there have been times like, whoo, boy, a bunch of listeners dragged us over the coals for speaking well of that um, dread crossover with what's-his-name in Africa. With Devil and Maul, Fetish. Yeah, Fetish. Ooh, people excoriated us for liking that. In which I... I think is fair, but, but yeah, I mean, this, this volume, like I, so I think there are times when we are overly fond of, of not necessarily great material, but I would Mm -hmm. be really hard pressed here to be like, at worst, there's one or two disappointments, you know what I mean? And they're really mild in the strengths of, everything else just firing on all cylinders. So I feel like part of it is, yeah, we've seen the worst of it, but I also think that even grading on a curve, I think this is really solid. Like, um, you know, I think for me, there was a point where I really fell in love with dread, um, while doing this podcast, like was the fact that, that case files five with the apocalypse war, uh, and block war block, frenzy or whatever um all 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 sorts of great classic material was followed by a some amazingly strong one-off stuff like volume seven and eight of the case files just kind of had wagner and grant doing material like this and me being wowed that it wasn't it was genuinely good you know what I mean? And so I really mm-hmm. do feel like 28 and 20 and 27, despite the fact that it, you know, it got a lot of drubbing from me um, are just, yeah, are just really good volumes. It, I don't see how anyone could really do more than nitpick. You know what I mean? Unless they had some larger worries or concerns. Um, I I think if nothing else, 28 volumes into dread i i have lost my capacity to um underestimate john wagner you know what i mean like i'm kind of like yeah judge dad and judge scold are here but i kind of also suspect that that will change again you know because wagner's mm-hmm. wagner's relationship to dread changes over time and yes he he never um he always seems very honest about that when when his relationship with dread is the same when he thinks of dread as basically the same thing you kind of get those stories you don't you don't get the fake spice it up stuff i think as far as i can tell i could be completely mistaken and similarly there are times when dread is something else so i kind of feel like even if i'm not necessarily crazy about judge dad i feel pretty or judge scold i feel pretty confident that that in another year or two 
it'll be something different. I really firmly believe that. This is a good chance for me to look ahead to the next volume. Uh, yeah. Volume 29 is, is kind of more of the same, except John Wagner is joined by another writer, Jeff. Do you want to know who that other writer is? I do. It's Alan Grant. What? Wow. Yep, Alan Grant writes some of the magazine material for the next volume. Uh, and also, we do get the return of one of my favorite artists, Scam Kennedy. Hey! Hooray! Um, yeah, and then volume 30, so the, the two episodes hence, is when you do get Wagner start to do other things again. Mm-hmm. And kind of play more of a long game. Uh, in that you have another crossover, you have another mega epic between the, the magazine and 2080. Hmm. And it's one that's kind of a sequel to things that have happened before. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! Graham McMillan. You're right in saying that, you know, Wagner's relationship to Dread as a strip and as a uh, uh, character changes. And we're, we're like two volumes away from it changing again. And I, I'm very curious what you'll make of it. I think you might take it. But we'll see. Yes, we shall. On that foreboding foreknote, uh, we will have show notes for this up on Monday at waitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, there will be someday something else posted at instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpods. The show has a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcasts. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And I have a Twitter account at Graham M, G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon supporter podcast. In fact, Drock exists because of Patreon. Jeff, take it away. You know, I always love how much of how much of, of how much away you've taken before you hand it over to me. You're like, I get, I get a, a like a, a body of steam up. And you I, do. I'm like, hey, Jeff, I'm going to steal everything you say. Right. Take it, take it away. <laughs> say something new. I'm like, fucking hell. Anyway, as you guys have heard, uh, Graham is absolutely right. If it wasn't for the support of the people of Patreon, we never would have uh, stretched our boundaries, added an additional podcast episode per month. Um, and made that a devoted read-through. We have 50-plus episodes of Baxter Building, our read-through of the first 416 issues of the FF+. Plus. Um, and we also have Drock, which you, we have been doing for well over two years now, and have uh, just polished off the 28th volume of the Judge Dredd Complete Case Files. This is directly um, attributable to the fine folks at Patreon who throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh to keep us um, inspired and wired. But honestly, we're incredibly grateful to everyone who listens to this podcast, who listens to Wait What, who makes a point to, to drop us a note or not. The fact that you listen, that you appreciate it, and you guys sort of turn up in the oddest places to let us know. Um really manages to keep this being a satisfying adventure three weeks out of the year, 12 months, and also I don't out know. Of the year. <laughs> yeah, also out of the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would be entirely remiss if I did not give a big shout out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continuing support of this podcast. Um, and the uh, this little neck of the celestial realm. Uh, thank you so much, Empress Audrey.
Thank you for not killing us, Empisodry. Uh, it's Drog, which means I now pass immediately back to you, Jeff, because I don't sing us out this time. Oh, I should say, however, regular rate one in two weeks. There we go. Exactly. Next, ne- week, next week, we're off. Regular That's rate right. one in two weeks. Yes, Graham. Uh, as I was going to say, Drog, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the Isocubes, and we'll see you in 30. <laughs>